Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. Tell you, man, you lead the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower here, official show of UTHDynasty.com. You want to support the show, become a general manager subscriber. You're going to get a ton of premium podcasts. Early in the week, you get things like UTH Film Notes. Uh, before the bye weeks here, I think it was 80-something minutes, you're going to get it distilled down every play of every game. I'm up till the middle of the night. So that on Monday morning, it was like you were there watching the game. So you get all the dynasty takeaways you need directly to your podcast device of choice. Get the trade calculator. Actually just made a lot of updates, re-scrubbing a lot of the comps, career arcs, uh, factoring the first month of this season there for the running back position. And you get updated rankings every single week to guide you. So Katie, we've got a month in the books. It's time that we're actually taking onus of what we've seen. Couple weeks, maybe not so much. Three weeks, a little more. Here we are. And we're going to talk about some key players about... Maybe what did we expect to happen and and prior assumptions versus realities of today? First one is Matthew Stafford. So talk to us about the Rams quarterback, not the best game, vicious 49ers defense this week, but connected to Stafford, we have not seen much impact from Mr. Allen Robinson we thought might lift the lid on this passing game. Well, I think that the injury that he sustained and is continuing to play through has affected him a lot more than most people think. I expected him to be at least in the top 12 by now. He's 33rd. He's averaging basically eight fantasy points per game. You can't start him in Superflex. At this point, you've got to just reassess and say, look, he's not startable until he's startable again. He's not himself. The offense is not itself. His binky Cooper Cup is seeing a lot of targets. You got uh, Higby there, and that's it. And besides the run game, and uh, man, I don't know that he's going to click with Allen Robinson anytime soon. If he's in pain, if he's playing through it, yeah. again, I personally don't trust him this year. I think for a super flex dynasty play, it might be a savvy play. If you're already out of it or you think that you're out of it, trade somebody that's hot that you don't trust for Matthew Stafford plus. Then you don't have to worry about what you've got for points this year, and you're going to get that plus piece, whatever that may be, whether it's a 23 first or another decent player that may be middling through. Uh, but this is the way that you win dynasty leagues is taking an asset that is underperforming and either buy them at that time when they're at their peak bottom or sell them when they're at their peak high. He's at his peak bottom. Yeah, the Rams been a tough watch. And part of what you're saying just about you know the elbow, he's playing through, but the fact that there's not much deep threat in the offense and that everything's short. Part of that is the offensive line not playing overly well, but Allen Robinson is supposed to provide that deep threat. 
Maybe once every couple of weeks, we get a deep shot to Tutu Atwell. We haven't seen that. Some of those deep overs from Van Jefferson. That stuff has not been in the, the offense. So you're getting Cooper Cup, short route. Tyler Higby, short route. Not throws to running backs uh, in general, but run game hasn't been a big presence either. It's been a pretty frustrating watch. Um, so there's some systemic things going on. Stafford has, of course, throw, thrown in uh, some of the most uh, turnover-worthy plays in the NFL this year as well. So he's always had that to his game. And now you take away some of the big plays, some of the the highlight touchdowns and throws. And now what are you left with? You know, you're left with a guy that frankly, you know, looking at some of the stat line, you might think it was Jameis Winston in terms of the number of interceptions he has and, and the fact that, you know, he, he's not really right now uh, different from Winston back at his peak, not offsetting that with the big plays that we saw even a year ago. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, a couple recent trades. One of them was a player we talked about just before starting recording the show is Trey Lance. Uh, a recent deal for Stafford was Trey Lance and a 23 second for Stafford in Superflex. Um, again, is, is that a buy low on Stafford? Is that a buy low on Trey Lance? Where do you kind of stand on that? I think that's personally a buy low on Trey Lance or yeah. somebody selling low on Trey Lance. Uh, Trey Lance to begin the season was God. Right. And if you didn't sell him then, now is not the time. He's injured. He didn't look good. He hasn't looked good this entire season. Why would you trade him now when you could have traded him a month and a half ago for gold? Right. So, and, and now you just wait, right? I mean, now that you have you the have Garoppolo starting, he's out for the season. All you have to do really is sit on your hands, right? Until next July or August, right? Because he's going to be the week one starter. I mean, we say that. I mean, but um, injury made it so that Garoppolo is playing this year. And so when Lance is projected to be the starter again, and when he is healthy and projected to be ready for week one, the value will come back. Right now, he might be around QB 20 or something like that. And then that kind of makes sense for this trade. If you think of it as well, if Stafford's at 15, Lance is at 20, you make up the gap with a second round pick. So again, regardless of what side you're on, that's probably the the, the equation they were functioning within to, to make that deal on both sides. Um, but like you're saying, the time aspect, and that's something I've got I've gotten a lot more into the last three, four years, which is Ask yourself when you're doing trades, sending offers, in addition to thinking about player profiles, say, is this the time to buy or sell said player? And with Trey Lance and, and Matthew Stafford, I think there's pretty easy storylines here of saying that, you know, if you're if you're gonna move Stafford in one form or fashion, right now he's a buy because he's producing, like as you said, not even a guy viable in Superflex at QB 30 plus. And then Lance, it's the time to buy, not to sell because he's injured. He's not starting. Someone else is starting for a good team, but next year he will. Yeah. And that's the thing that it comes to dynasty owners. You have to have a short memory to a certain extent. I remember when Todd Gurley had a really bad season and everybody was gun shy about even in redraft, drafting him in the top 12 the next season after, Oh, he burned me last year. I'm never going to forget that players are going to burn you. Let's face it. This is fantasy football and the dice don't always shake out, you know, double sixes every time they want them to. And so guys like Trey Lance, if you believed in him before, now is the time to double down and buy him because he's 
probably never going to be cheaper than he is right now. And the owner is probably looking for somebody to replace him because they don't want to jack their whole season up because of the loss of somebody they expected. This guy was God. He was a top five freaking pick. And then they lost him. So save that owner. Reach out and sell him Matt Ryan. I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying, uh, you know, Feel the you know, feel your teammate, your league mates out, and see what they have for expectations. Well, and the the other thing I'm thinking of is how often have we seen a quarterback in the mid 30s? We saw dips with Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, um, Matt Ryan, you know, years ago, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, now we're seeing it with Stafford. It could happen. Who knows? Next year with Kirk Cousins. But you're going through and you're seeing these players. Uh, I mean, it was a little a couple years after that. But um, Aaron Rodgers actually he had that season with only 25 touchdowns. I remember, and he fell off and dropped probably 40, 50 percent of his value. Uh, suddenly, very uh, gettable as opposed to being untouchable before that. And so you have these blip seasons and quarterbacks. High-profile ones will have down years, whether that's playing through injury, whether that's actually being injured, or just having a season with a lower touchdown rate or higher interception rate, or a poor team record. It all happens, and that's when that that's a point where age takes hold, and there will invariably be be a little bit of risk with someone thinking in their head, "Oh, this is the beginning of the end." For all of those guys that ended up playing many more years, and now with Stafford at I believe thirty-four um, right now that. He's going to be one that people will question. This is the crumble that starts the, you know, uh, uh, Humpty Dumpty coming off the wall and he's just going to splatter all over the place. You've, and so there will be, and that's why if you're in three or four super flex leagues and you go through and, and send offers, it's pretty likely that in the span of time when he's not producing and there's a lot of uh, things wrong, that you can buy the profile, buy the talent in one of those leagues. You may not get it done in every league. But that's why you're you're systematically going through and having the same buy or sell approaches to the trade market across your leagues. Yeah. And again, it's have a short-term memory with a long-term goal. And if you believe in the player, buy the dip, buy the buy yeah. the discount. And I think this is a perfect time to buy Matt Stafford for cheap. Uh next player. And this is probably the first big um, injury of the season outside of Trey Lance, let's say, in Superflex. But Javante Williams, who did take a step forward, he was the clear starter when you look at snaps and market share over Melvin Gordon in Denver. We got other questions in Denver, but Javante Williams out for the year. This is a complicated knee injury. It's not a straightforward ACL. There's other aspects to it. So... This is going to be more of the don't assume he's ready for week one. It might be sometime in the opening month. He could be on the pup. There's a lot of variables here, but young, pedigreed, has looked the part, should return to a lead job when ready physically, a la a J.K. Dobbins. And so where do you stand with Javante Williams in terms of getting hurt early in the year and wherever you generally thought he he ranked and valued in dynasty losing a prime year at the rest of it and frankly most of it how does that shade you know how much value he loses versus is he one that if you're contending you would look to turn him into something contending 
And is he one on the opposite side? Hey, I'm one and three. I'm zero and four. Things aren't looking good. Is he a glaring name where you say, let me turn production into future production? I have never been in on Javante Williams, and I'm kind of glad that I haven't been because everybody had the expectation, or at least the majority of the dynasty community, that he was top six, top 12. You had to buy him early in startups if you wanted to buy the dude. And 11 points, fantasy points per game, depending on your scoring system, 47 attempts, you know, you look at other guys that are in the top five or six that are 45, 41 attempts. That's Austin Eckler. That's Clyde Edwards Alaire. And they're putting up 19 and nine, you know, 19 and a half fantasy points per game. That's quite a bit of a big difference. And then you've got other guys like Saquon Barkley at 84 attempts and Nick Chubb at 81. Most of the guys that are up there are getting a lot more carries than just the 47 attempts. And now he's injured. He's going to lose a year. Um, I've never been, like I said, all that crazy about him. I think that moving forward, it's Melvin Gordon, Mike Boone show. And then we'll see where they go from here. But Denver themselves and their coaching staff, as I mentioned last week, they're just pathetic. They're not using their weapons the way that they should. I don't know that that ship is going to get right at any time soon. Yeah, the um, I, I thought Javante Williams mainly, uh, I think I have three or four shares of him. And one was from a rookie draft setting uh, the, the year he came out. I think it was, he was the one that like, there was a delineation in the top four, and then it would be Javante Williams at five, and I can't remember who was the relatively consensus six. But um, but yeah, like having exactly five in one spot where I tried to trade up or something. So I got him, and then I think a couple spots was an orphan situation. Um, but yeah, moving him down uh, in terms of that lost year is something that... Uh, like I think he went from which again, if he produced even a top twenty four season, he was on a really good trajectory considering age pedigree and uh, putting that under his belt. Um, he moved down to running back ten for me, uh, which again, it, right now, like between about oh, seven or eight and eighteen or twenty, is a really interesting zone of how do you feel about production that might be short lived versus maybe younger players that you know have a little bit of rough around the edges in terms of it hasn't been a smooth trajectory up to production, whether it was in the past or now. Um, I did have a couple of Javante Williams trades, so we can kind of gauge this. It's very early. We record on Tuesday night. So getting many data points uh, with trading open for the current week, um, it's always a challenge before, say, Wednesday or Thursday. But uh, this was one. So again, turning Javante Williams and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who's producing quite well, but a lot of people not buying into that. So you turn both of those running backs into DeAndre Swift. What are your thoughts? Say that again. You got uh, Javante Williams and Clyde Edwards-Alaire for DeAndre Swift. I would take Swift. Okay. And yeah, Swift uh, projected to miss this week. You got a week six bye and then uh, should be ready to rock. Uh, One other one we've got here, which is Javante Williams for... Uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, we got Clyde, uh, we got Zach Ertz in tight end premium, James Conner, Khalil Herbert, Jacoby Myers, a second and a third. So a lot of stuff, Katie. Yeah, that, that is a lot of stuff. And anybody that needs that much stuff probably <laughs> wasn't uh, the the right market. I'd rather have. That's I would. I think you got to get a better top piece. And I like James. Connors, you do. You but do. That's plus four years, plus four or five years. 
And Connor, frankly, this might be the best it ever is for him. So this might be the best it ever is. And, you know, Jacoby Myers, are we talking wide receiver three? Um, Khalil Herbert, are we talking, uh, you know, one more start here? Another key player we've got in terms of what do we think about him in May uh, or even August versus how the first month and especially progressing through the opening month has gone, which is Damian Pierce. Um, he has pretty much gained market share uh, every single week. Week one, we saw a lot of Rex Burkhead, a lot of the sky is falling for uh, projected starter Damian Pierce, but he gained rushing market share. And the real uh, difference, in my opinion, was week four when he suddenly elevated in his route share, uh, seeing more opportunities in the passing game. That's what's going to be really important for a Houston team that's not very good. Uh, if you're going to have a running back there, don't draw up Rex Burkhead, uh, just ancillary note. But Damien Pierce, round four pick. Uh, I saw him go as early, and I think we discussed some data points in the market of he might be a mid-first pick that we saw in rookie drafts when we got within the last week or two before the season. Now, back in May, he was more, I would say, late first, maybe early second. But he elevated quite a bit as we got to uh, as we got to August there, late in August. So um, w- go ahead. My memory serves that he was second or third round, not a third round. Okay. first in May. He was never a first was he round. A second round. Okay, he was more second, third okay. round. All right, I didn't see him in the third at all. So the point is, he elevated quite a bit, and now we're we're all the way home to. I think people are feeling a lot more confident than three weeks ago with him in lineup. So what do you what do you do in situations like this where maybe you weren't overly high on a player, they start playing, and you know, have you seen anything talent-wise, situationally? Obviously, it, it's elevated from the typical start for a day three running back. Yeah, I think that he's elevated because of the situation. Because really, uh, Rex Burkhead is is nice, but he's not he's not great. Uh, Pierce does have a little bit of wiggle for a fourth round pick. And the bump up in targets was huge, but he also, uh, you know, his best as far as the number of attempts was week three, but he still put up double digit fantasy points he has for a couple weeks in a row. They've got a fairly cushy schedule. I think he's a decent guy to have and he's found money if you got him in rookie drafts in the second or third round. But that class next year, as far as running backs go, that's awfully nice. Do you just trade him in and convert him? It depends on where you are for your team. I don't trust him long-term, but I think that for this year, he is the answer for Houston. So uh, do you want a rental, a potential rental? Because we've been saying with James Robinson, some similar stuff. And look at James Robinson. But not everybody turns into Cinderella at midnight and the pumpkin, you know, turns into a pumpkin and, um, I think Pierce eventually will turn into a pumpkin. I just don't know exactly when. Yeah. And and one of the problems when you lack pedigree and you are a very promising and outlier story to begin your career or at some point is, like you said, the pumpkin factor. And I think that you're you're never going to be comfortable. January through May, every single year is going to be a, a very stressful time as a Damian Pierce owner. And we had this conversation with James Robinson. He's probably the last notable or most notable one I can recall. And I do remember the James Robinson profile. He had less pedigree. I think he went undrafted that he, um, but he had a much better profile 
he was, you know, he, he tested relatively well uh, for his size. Um, having some of that, he was ideally sized. Pierce is a little smaller. He runs big. He runs powerful. He, um, but uh, Robinson was bigger. He definitely had more of a two down, uh, three down, excuse me, profile uh, coming out of college, a workhorse profile that Damian Pierce, he hasn't held it. This might be the longest he's held a job, to be fair, like all the way through college. It really didn't happen at, uh, at Florida. So how long is it going to last? Durability wise, mentality wise, you know, as he ramps up in importance in an offense and kind of tries to stay there. Hard work, hard job. Ask Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> you know, he's done it since 18 years old. And I mean, hard work for a decade. So uh, again, I think it's a similar conversation of it seems like he's worth at least a first. And if you're paid less, like you said, house money. One thing I'll say is if you have him and you're listening to this show, you may not need him. So really assess just because he might be someone you click the box in my lineup this week. I mean, if you have Khalil Herbert this week to start, if you're getting DeAndre Swift back in a couple weeks, like you can really, you know, if you're rostering eight to 10 running backs, I mean, the curves in and out of who's auto plays in my lineup. I mean, Jamal Williams two weeks ago, people weren't starting him and then he becomes an auto start. So I, I just think that the whole, I need Damian Pierce. Ask yourself this, as a dynasty asset, will I be comfortable with him if he gets injured? If he has a season-ending injury tomorrow, will you be glad you held him based on his valuation? Because if the answer is no, then at least see what's out there. At least aim high, aim for foreheads, as I like to say, and, <laughs> and aim for that you know first round. And maybe you can get first round plus uh, a secondary running back that might be in a Damian Pierce-like situation in a month. So, I mean, it could be house money. And like you said, Katie, it's a, it's a projected to be a very good class. Certainly with any first round pick, you're going to get more pedigree at the running back position than Damian Pierce with your pick. And uh, only a couple of trades that I saw. One was Damian Pierce and a second for Amari Cooper and DeAndre Hopkins. So two older wide receivers there. Uh, Hopkins is planning on coming back. The thing I would ask you is, is Damian Pierce going to outproduce Amari Cooper on a per game basis by an overt amount for the rest of the season. And that's that would be one thing. And then who do you trust to have jobs after this year? So start asking yourself these types of profiling questions when you have found money like Damian Pierce. Exactly. Um, there are times when you just have that gut feeling that the found money like an Antonio Gibson will continue for a little bit at least. Uh, but I remember James Randall when he was the starting quarter or uh, running back for the Cowboys before Ezekiel Elliott's rookie season. And I was able to get a first for him because of uh, recommendations from under the helmet way back then. And then he disappeared. He was hot. He was hot for this time of year. I think and then like a fifth round redraft pick or something in August. Right. Yeah. Something like exactly. that. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, not only did he finally disappear off the face of the planet fantasy-wise in that year, but then the next year they drafted Ezekiel Elliott and the rest was history. Yeah. And you can say, Houston, oh, they shouldn't be spending any capital on running back. Well, you got to make it all the way through free agency. We've seen a new era of free agency at the position where guys, guys with profiles are just out there. And so, I mean, it's not going to take a lot to scare you off the Pierce upside or he's got a stranglehold on the job in free agency. And then if they spend anything in the first three rounds on running back, 
that's going to quake you and that's going to half his value. So uh, Joseph Randall. See, you said James Randall, and I was like, Joseph, I'm sorry, I could, no, but I, I couldn't think of the first name. I knew I, I, knew, Ra- I knew Randall guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he had that one year, and I don't even think he, I don't even think he made it through half the year. Right. So he had a few games, and I think it transitioned to somebody else. And then, like you said, Zeke and the the rest is history. So it must have been 2015 there. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, again, for everyone that makes it through, like James Robinson, like what he's doing right now, saying. <laughs> Travis Etienne, you know, be the change Travis of pace guy is like, and coming back from Achilles. I mean, this is going to be a story we tell our grandkids to be, I mean, just to put it in prism. I mean, th- this is going to be, yeah, there's a UDFA guy that, that actually held the job after the first rounder came back, which is just like mind blowing, but that's the outlier of outliers. And I think it's right. important to remember that. Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of dynasty owners forget too, is that it it does matter where they came from. And even in next year's class, even if you get another fourth round running back, the chances are that the talent that slipped to that fourth round is going to be better than the talent that slipped. This year's running back class was not anywhere near like next year's class. And, and so it, and keep in mind that the the day two guys, if anyone is drafted by Houston on day two, the typical, unless they're 180 pounds and a clear change of right. pace option, they are projected basically by the team to have, we expect him to be a starter. At some point, we expect him to be a starter. And the only occasions we really haven't seen that anointment or projection by a team is like an Alexander Madison type situation where they just, they had Dalvin Cook. So they've just had him not on ice. They've used him in the situations they have, but they've had a uh, a high level backup that can fill in with a full workload whenever they need it. Um, let's go final final topic here for the week, which is these young wide receivers. Uh, we've seen some production, we've seen some flash from some of these first rounders and otherwise. Um, so so out of the rookies and just what has changed from May to August to actually seeing them in games on some of these teams that are good passing games, some of them not very good. Uh, these early data points that they littered the first round or the first, you know, 13, 14 picks of rookie drafts with five or six wide receivers this year. Yeah. So uh, Traylon Burks is now injured turf toe, and that's a tricky injury. He, you know, had asthma preseason. He's somebody that I thought was going to be a slow starter. I think he's going to be a buy low candidate in the off season. I'm not, you know, I, I had very, tempered expectations in year one but a guy like drake london i expected him to come out of the gate and he did he has he's leading his team as far as wide receiver one he's even getting more targets than kyle pitts that's still not saying a whole lot uh chris Olave has looked good and has done a good job in new orleans and with michael thomas banged up and he's always been banged up he's he's the wide receiver two but when Thomas is out, I think he's definitely going to be the wide receiver one. Garrett Wilson has looked fairly good. He's had 38 targets, which is the most of all the rookie wide receivers. And he looks pretty good in that role, but there's been no continuity at quarterback. We'll see now that Zach Wilson is back. Does that change? Does it change for the good? Does it not? Uh, but the one that you didn't have on your list and also 
I do like Jahan Dotson. I've liked him. I was very sad he didn't go to the Senior Bowl. I think he's a good deep threat, and I think that he's already got a little uh, go with Carson Wentz, so that'll be interesting how that continues to develop. He's only had 22 targets and put up 152 yards and four touchdowns. I think he's that deep threat and can pretty much go anywhere. But as far as longevity, and being the wide receiver one of this class, the one that you didn't mention is George Pickens. And I think that guy, his targets are going to pick up now that you've got Kenny Pickett coming back, uh, taking over for Mitch Trubisky. I think that will help. He won't be the wide receiver one on his team necessarily with Deontay Johnson there, but I think his targets will pick up and he has shown that he can pretty much do the job. And that's what I wanted to see. Does he look good out there? He looks every bit as good as he looked in Georgia. And I think he's the kind of guy that could take over a game on any given Sunday. Yeah, it was amazing to see the the difference in priority and preference for Kenny Pickett. Started funneling the ball, I think, more than 30% of the target share. Again, small sample size, second half of the game only for Pickett. Going towards Pickens. And I really thought that if one of the, one of the two things had to give. If Pickens is the goods, and you know August there was a lot of buzz about him, he's making plays every single day, kind of like Romeo Dobbs, and it was just a constant drumbeat. And I said, if Pickens pans out, that's really bad news for Chase Claypool because Deontay Johnson has proven that he's a uh, long-standing producer, so he's not going to go away. But the thing I wonder though is quarterback play in Pittsburgh going to be good enough to sustain, say, a top eight? tight end in Fryerbooth, a, a top 20 wide receiver in Deontay Johnson and another top 20 or 30 wide receiver in George Pickens. That's a lot of production. Now, could it funnel through those three guys alone? Yes. But you've still got Najee Harris. You've got Chase Claypool for now. They also drafted uh, Calvin Austin, who might have a role in the future. So I just, it's a lot of talent at the skill position if quarterback is middle of the road or worse. So that's the one thing to kind of monitor of the contracting targets and how big is the pie? Those sort of thing. Now, Pickens looks the part. And I will say, he is one that, I mean, uh, I was looking back at one of my drafts and it's like, you, if in the late first, you got George Pickens and it's like, everyone else got to pick their guys and Pickens might be as good as almost all of them. Which, you know, when you have a deep class, that's sort of what happens when you get that depth in that late first round as you end up getting a player that honestly in another class could be mid first round worthy. Cause I do remember that Pickens was a guy that checked three or four different boxes that he really should have been a top five, six pick and it, it, in terms of rookie drafts. And yeah, yeah, you had him back there at nine, 10, 11, 12, sometimes behind, you know, right there with Dotson in that 11 to 13 kind of range. So, um, so yeah, uh, Pickens is definitely one that has popped. Dotson's popped, but I kind of wonder with Washington, they re-signed Terry McLaurin. They're going to have a quarterback question, you know, as we, as we go forward and they just have a lot of talent now with Curtis Samuel healthy as well. That's another one where you say how many yards and touchdowns are getting split by good players. So these situations will filter themselves out, but just no short term, there might be a lot of market share of what? You know, doing the 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 equation, they might be starting from a number that's not ideal and start dividing it from there. And I do agree with you that uh, Traylon Burks is going to be an interesting one, probably out. I think I saw the turf toe return to play figures and maybe a month 
you know, somewhere somewhere in that span. But it really sets a rookie back. That's the big part. Any missed time sets them back. He's flashed a little bit. And frankly, a lot of wide receivers, this class looks pretty good beyond the flashes, but you're looking for some moments. Burks was probably going to have some moments this year and be projected as a player to take a step forward next year. But man, if you're a rebuilding team and you, and things aren't working out in a few weeks and you can trade some some older production for Traylon Burks, I think that's a, the type of move Plus. I would be looking to take. Yeah, I would be looking to take a risk of he could be an alpha number one wide receiver taking a step forward next year. And that's the, you know, taking production from now and trying to get it later instead and get a bigger profile um, down the line. All right. uh, Final thoughts this week, Katie. Well, I haven't talked much about the fantasy cares eliminator. Tim and I are in one and we did survive again this week, but I wanted to give a shout out to Sean Robinson, who has taken an interesting, uh, he doesn't have any wide receivers. Mm-hmm. He's got four place kickers and four defenses. Wow. And the way that the scoring is, he's the lead scorer right now. And because place kickers, for the most part, don't get hurt and team defenses don't yeah. get hurt, uh, he's got some good quarterbacks and and some okay running backs. But I think he's going to be in it for a while. I just wanted to give a shout out to him. And also, it's my birthday week. And uh, so is Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is, I think, turning 22 or 23 on October 6th. And that's just my a little, Just a little younger. Yeah, just a little bit younger. He could be my kid. <laughs> he, he, could be, he could be your child, yeah. Plus 16. That's how you do it. You do it. Right. 22 plus 16, so 38 for Katie. Um, yeah, th- I, those eliminators, good call. Uh, Jordan and I have, have survived so far. And uh, we, we always do the... You know, just at the end, you draft a bunch of defenses. Um, we went with the stud tight end approach, which with Mark Andrews worked out, with Zach Ertz, it worked out, with George Kittle, we're just kind of waiting for it to work out <laughs> at right. present. Um, but yeah, like it's amazing. Just not having injured guys helps a lot, and kickers and defenses are a little more, you know, I, I always think, especially when you're like the celeb in, in the eliminator, try to make it through a couple months. Right. You know, whether you win or not, but like, you know, you want to make it you to November. Them. Yeah. Like at least get to the, you know, whether you win or not, get to, get to Thanksgiving, you know, make a good show out of it. And uh, a lot of times, um, you know, kickers, defenses, and uh, following the positional premiums can uh, go a long way towards insulating that floor. Want to shout out uh, the UTH best ball contest fueled and sponsored there by my fantasy league. And the winner this week is Fred the Scranton mashed bananas. And he had one of the most shallow uh, rosters in the whole contest, 18 players, which historically hasn't done that well, but he put up 283. He lapped the field. So what does that mean? The perfect week. Uh, he put up 40 plus with Jared Goff, who's been absolute straight cash homie um, in that format. Justin Herbert hasn't missed games. Uh, you know, he's been in getting uh, the, the rib blocker for two weeks. He looked a lot better this past week, couple touchdowns for him. Uh, he's got stud TJ Hawkinson, which put up a game that if you lost this week with TJ Hawkinson, you must have had a lot go wrong because he was an absolute monster and a uh, perfect storm of guys like Damian Pierce, Clyde Edwards, Allaire, uh, Khalil Herbert, uh, Rex Burkhead even got in there with a late touchdown uh, that week. So absolutely awesome job, Fred. Uh, you took down the contest in week four and overall in the contest, I got to check over here. I haven't seen it yet because, uh, I know Tim was what number two in the contest as of last week. He's still number two right now, uh, just a shade off the lead. 
You are at six eyeballing it. Jordan is at like nine. I'm at like what fifteen, maybe. This is this is probably the best overall if we just add up all of our our rankings. This is probably the best uh, singular zone of time uh, for the, uh, the analysts, if you will, in the contest. So great job! And actually, yeah, Fred, number one overall with an eighteen man roster. Katie, this is going against every team building thing. <laughs> it's early really though. It's I early. Know. The, I know. The, but the, the teams with the shallow rosters can. Can get that early. Come on, give him give game. him some love. He might stay I healthy am. all year. This is amazing, Fred. Amazing, no idea, Fred. Fred. This is amazing, Fred. He has got one guy, Amon Ross St. Brown, out, and it's for the short term, so he could come right back in. He's got Marquise Brown, stud. So great job, Fred. Um, all right, that's going to do it between episodes. If you want to check out Katie Flower on Twitter, ask her some questions, and you know what? It's college season. So she's got some Debbie thoughts. You want to talk uh, Razorbacks? Man, she'll follow you in an instant, probably. Start talking about Razorbacks on her timeline. So uh, you can follow her at FF underscore Skyler399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder about patreon.com slash UTH. Also becoming a general manager subscriber over there at UTH Dynasty. And again, the premium shows, if you like this banter, uh, you're going to want to go in-depth with some of the premium shows that are offered on a weekly basis in season. Can't recommend it enough. Trade calculator updated weekly. Rankings updated weekly. And uh, you get waiver wire content as well as trading advice. For Katie, myself, Chad, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.